Thank you for joining us for the Tucson Baptist Church podcast with Pastor Brent Armstrong. This podcast features the messages from the teaching and preaching ministry at our church. Tucson Baptist Church is located in Tucson, Arizona, and we are committed to loving God, growing together, and reaching our community. chapter 1. I'd like to ask you a question. In all of the Bible, what is the miracle that you have a hard time really believing? For, For example, God spoke this earth into existence with his voice, and boom, there is the earth. Jonah was thrown out of the boat and he was in the belly of a great big fish and he lived to tell about it. That's really, that's really true. Um, wait. Some woman was 90 years of age and she had a baby. Uh, what miracle in the Bible is the most difficult to believe? Frankly speaking, for all of us, The one we're going to talk about today could be the most difficult because it does take faith to believe in the miracle that we're going to talk about this morning. There's no doubt uh, that our text verses will be very familiar to all of us this morning. Uh, They're familiar because of the celebration at the Christmas season. We hear them every year. I've often preached from these verses around Christmas time. However, just last week, we began what we're going to call an epic journey through the book of Matthew. And we're going to go verse by verse, word by word, where necessary. And we've already examined how the world uh, was prepared for the coming of Jesus through the history of genealogy. What an exciting message it was last week. But we did learn some things. Today's message is slightly different in the fact that it requires a step of faith to believe. By the way, if you'll believe today's message, the rest of the Bible is easy believable. And so I want to do my very best with the help of God to explain this story. And in explaining this story, maybe for some it will reinforce your faith. For others, you'll come to faith. And for others, it'll just be a wake-up call. You know what? I need to tell others about this. Let's stand together. We're going to do a responsive reading, and during a responsive reading, we're going to begin in verse number 18, and we're going to read down to verse number 25. You can follow Pastor Jonathan as he begins in verse number 18, down to verse number 25. Let's all participate. If you do not have a a Bible, the words will be on the screen behind me, but let's all make this an act of worship. We're actually reading God's Word back to him, Begin in verse number 18. Before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. Now all 
this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife. And knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Father, this most absolute critical portion of Scripture, I ask that you will give me clarity of thought, clarity of speech, and that all of us will be reminded of one of the greatest miracles that you have ever performed. And Father, thank you for that miracle. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for what he can do in our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. you. May be seated. In this passage that we read together, we move to that pivotal moment in history, and I've entitled this morning's message, One King, His Implausible Conception. One King, His Implausible Conception. And our text is one of the most controversial and difficult passages of Scripture to accept and to believe by faith. Galatians 4 and verse number 4 says, But when the fullness of the time was come, God, said, God sent forth his Son made of a woman. Matthew sets apart the genealogy from the birth of Christ by these words. Now, the birth of Jesus was on this wise. The genealogy that we looked at last week, it shows Jesus' divine place in human history. But this passage shows us his divine entrance, the actual incarnation, or what we could call the enfleshment of the Son of God. And so I'd like to share with you five implausible aspects of the conception. Five things that we must really take by faith. Five just hard-to-believe parts of of this portion of scripture. Implausibility number one is this, is that there is a unique conception. A unique conception. Now there are many amazing births reported in, recorded in scripture. For example, Isaac, who was the patriarch, uh, was born to Sarah. I mentioned her a moment ago. She was 90 years of age. Her husband was 99. His name means laughter because his mother laughed at the news that she would conceive a son. By the way, that's kind of funny. Could we imagine a 90-year-old here walking around our church pregnant? That would be a miracle. Samson, the judge and champion of Israel, was born to the barren womb of Manoah's wife. Samuel, the great prophet, who was the anointer of the kings, he was born from the barren womb of Hannah when God listened and answered her prayers. John the Baptist was born to barren Elizabeth, who was the cousin of Mary. And as spectacular as these births may be, they do not compare to the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. Jesus' conception stands alone in history, never to be repeated again. So what about this? We know that Jesus' mother, Mary, the Bible says, was espoused. We might use the word engaged or betrothed to Joseph. So let me explain just a little bit about the ancient custom here of the Middle East. And it's far different from what we do in the United States of America. So let's recognize that. What they do in the Middle East is way different, hard to wrap our mind around, but this is how they do it. A Hebrew marriage was almost always 
an arranged marriage. How would you have liked your parents picking your spouse for you? The details were made by the families, often without the consent of the bride and groom. And the marriage involved two stages, what they called the betrothal, the espoused. We, in American culture, would call it the engagement period. And here we know that there was the betrothal period, engagement period, and then the actual marriage ceremony. Now here's, according to custom, in some parts of Israel, still practiced to this day, The betrothal began when a groom or a groom's family approached a young girl's father and they haggled over a mohar. Do you know what a mohar is? We might use the word uh, a, a dowry. It's an old Aramaic word that means to purchase for a price. It was like, if I could use it this way, it's like an insurance policy for the bride's father should the marriage fail. And sometimes the bargaining, they say, would last for hours. Then the mohar was paid immediately at that moment to the future bride's uh, father. And though the marriage has not yet been consummated, uh, we know that according to custom, the girl was then considered at that moment the wife of the groom. And whether we like it or not, it sounds weird, she was considered his property at the moment the mohar was paid. I am so thankful we do not do that today. But that's the custom. That's the time period of 2,000 years ago of which this portion of Scripture was written. And the marriage would take place sometimes years later because remember, oftentimes, the mohar was paid when it was a girl, not yet a woman. And then at the marriage ceremony, there was great feasting and there was great celebration. And then only then would there be a union sexually consummated. Now, the Bible is very clear. Don't you love your Bible? I love our Bible. The Bible is very clear. The Bible says this, that Mary was betrothed. Did it say that she was married? It doesn't. Remember, there's two aspects of the marriage. There's the betrothal period, engagement period, and then the actual marriage celebration. She is betrothed. Uh, We know that they were legally married and that Joseph had already paid the mohar to her father. Now, she could have been as young as 12 or as old as 18. The Bible does not say. It's really not important. But we do know, according to custom, she would have been in that age range of 12 to 18. Joseph was already a grown man at this point, and uh, commentators believe that he would have been in his late 20s to early 30s. So you can see there is a, a, a small age gap there. But there is a major problem happening. Here's the major problem. During the betrothal period, the Bible says that Mary was found with child. Mary was pregnant. And this took place before the marriage ceremony. It took place before there was any type of consummation. Matthew clearly says that it was using the words of Matthew before they came together, referring to their sexual relationship. In Luke chapter 1, it records the angel's announcement to Mary. When he told her she would conceive a child, she asks this question in Luke chapter 1. How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? Even the simple peasant girl knew that because she was a virgin, a birth was physically impossible. Now, both Mary and Joseph were righteous people. 
They had carefully obeyed the command of God. They had maintained their sexual purity. And young people, imagine what would have happened if Mary had been sexually promiscuous. She would have missed the opportunity to become the most blessed woman in all of history. She said this in Luke chapter 1, All generations shall call me blessed. God blesses those who are obedient to him. And, and she could have never been the mother of Jesus if she had given in to the lust of her flesh before she was married. The Bible does not tell us. Uh, uh, the, the Bible does not tell us how she was found with child. Uh, perhaps she told Joseph of the angel's visit, and he didn't believe her. Perhaps she told many people, and no one believed her. Perhaps her womb had grown uh, big enough that her pregnancy was obvious. I tend to think that she told Joseph because he, the Bible says he was of a mind to divorce her secretly. Now, Scripture affirms the truth that the child was of the Holy Ghost or was conceived of the Holy Spirit. Now, folks, this is one of the great mysteries of God. God took the genetic code of Mary and mingled it with the divine genetic code, producing one who was fully human and fully divine. In fact, we refer to Jesus as the God Man, the only person who's ever lived, walked this earth, that would have those attributes was he was God. At the same time, he was man. He had a complete divine nature, and yet he was as human as you and me. He, if he were to sit among us, he would look just like the rest of us, except with a, probably a Middle Eastern look to him. The fact of the matter is he was just as much as a man as he was God. Now, how could God explain this great wonder how, how is this possible in a way that we as finite people could understand and believe by faith now can i just recognize something here this morning we have some new christians among us aren't you thankful for new christians i mean on we, we baptized so many on celebration sunday and since then we've had baptisms this morning baptism there's some new christians and what I'm speaking of to a brand new Christian may be hard to believe. But here's what I ask you. Trust the Bible. Don't trust me. Trust the Bible. And so let's see what the Bible has to say about this. But I do want you to know this. As much as I've read the Word of God, I've read the Gospels, as much as, as I've read common. Uh, commentators and there's all kinds of commentaries in my office here's here is the simple truth about the virgin birth God did not explain it God did not tell us how it happened he just said this it did happen and so by faith I have to accept that he does not try to explain it so that we can understand it the Bible simply says this that the child was of the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit like other things we accept the virgin birth by faith so there was this incredible conception but there's a second implausibility that I'd like for us to examine this morning and that there is a perplexing problem there is a perplexing problem presented to us in verse number 19 of our text Joseph is described in two different ways. He was Mary's husband. Joseph had already 
purchased, he had already provided a mohar for Mary to, her, to Mary's parents. They had a legal contract, but the official ceremony, the consummation of that union, had yet to be. But nonetheless, in their eyes and in the eyes of the community, in the eyes of the law, please understand, Mary was married to Joseph, and Joseph was married, or the, uh, Mary was the property of Joseph. Please understand, customs, it's different in the United States. I understand that. But during this custom, the Bible clearly states this. Joseph was a just man. Just means upright or righteous. Literally, it means straight as opposed to crooked. Joseph was the kind of man who always tried to do the right thing. Now, we would understand this. We could say this. He was a straight shooter. Joseph was a just man. And we see him as the Mary's husband, but also as a just man. And Joseph was, the Bible tells us, given two choices. Because he was a just man, he did not want to marry a woman who was not a virgin. His morality, remember that he's still under the law, his morality would not allow him to do that. The law allowed him two options uh, and that is two ways to dissolve his union with Mary. The Bible says that he could take Mary and make her a public example. Do you realize that he was within his right to do this? According to the law in Deuteronomy chapter 22, it explains the law of a public example. Joseph would have been within his rights to make Mary's condition known. No one would have believed her story about the angel, and, uh, and she would have publicly been stoned to death that was legal under the law may i just ask you again aren't you thankful we don't live under the law i'm thankful we don't do marriage like they did two thousand years ago and i'm thankful we don't live under the law and you say well that's that's crazy that's mean that's cruel hey listen thankfully we don't live under the law but joseph could have rightfully under god's word in deuteronomy chapter 22 have done this but the Bible says he also could have put her away privately or secretly. Not only was Joseph just, but the Bible seems to indicate that Joseph was compassionate. He could not allow her to die in such a disgraceful way. To put her away uh, was the common word for divorce. He would divorce her, the Bible says, in a private way. And this would save her life, and perhaps her family would then send her away uh, to another town to have the baby and come back later. These were the immediate problems facing Joseph. I could have her stoned, or I can put her away privately, which means I can divorce her in secret. She goes back to her family, and her family takes care of her. That's the two options. It's a perplexing problem. But then there's an implausibility, number three, and I call that the angelic announcement. The angelic announcement. I'd like for all of us to be reminded of a very important fact about history. We know that this is on the heels of a period of time known as the 400 silent years. Remember, for 400 years, God had not spoken to anyone. No prophet, no priest, no person. God had been quiet for 400 years. We come to Matthew chapter number 1, and all of a sudden, God's not quiet anymore. 
No one had heard from God for 400 years. And suddenly, there were these angels talking to people. We had angels talking to shepherds. We had angels talking to Elizabeth. We had angels talking to Mary. We have these people that are now being spoken to, and it's been quiet for 400 years. This is truly an implausible time uh, uh, in, the, in the life of all these people. So consider Joseph. The Bible says that he thought on these things while working with his hammer and saw. We know he was a carpenter. He tossed and he turned in his bed and he thought about this. And have not all of us had problems uh, 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 at night uh, with staying awake when there's something on our heart and our mind? And as Joseph was thinking about his problem, he fell into a fitful sleep. And the Bible says that while he had a sleep, that an angel came and spoke to him. And in biblical times, God often spoke to people while they were sleeping through dreams. And the Bible gives us the angel's message. The angel called Joseph son of David. That is a messianic title. And though Jesus was not Joseph's natural son, he was his legal son. And Joseph, uh, uh, um, uh, Joseph here, as he was having this dream, he was, he was instructed about his place in history. We know that Jesus' royal right to be the king came from Joseph's lineage. We looked at that last week. Now listen, Joseph is sleeping. His mind is racing. He's found out his engaged wife-to-be is pregnant. <laughs> and she says, hey, listen, Joseph, Joey understand I've never been with a man I've never even held hands with another man I've never kissed another man I've never been alone with another man and this angel came and told me I'm pregnant and and by the way I, I it would I had to have been at, at some point where Mary had felt the baby move to know that they really she really was pregnant she wasn't making this up and Joseph, and he's, he's wrestling I, I, I can have her stoned to death or I can divorce her and so he's sleeping, and an angel comes to visit him, and there's been no, it's been silent for 400 years. And the angel says, fear not. He was awake. Now, almost every time you see an angel appearing, you see this message, because I believe that we would, it would invoke some fear to all of us if an angel came to us. And the first words out of the angel's mouth, fear not. The angel told him not to be afraid to take unto thee Mary thy wife. And Joseph had made up his mind already, I'm going to just divorce her. And the angel was saying that he should not divorce her, but go ahead and formally marry her. And the reason they must be married is because that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost, the Bible says. This was not the child of another lover, but this was the Holy Son of God. And Joseph would have an awesome responsibility. And Joseph, the angel said, I, Joseph, I want you to name the boy. I want you to name this boy that's going to be born to Mary. I want you to name his name Jesus. And Jesus is the form of the Hebrew name Joshua, meaning Jehovah will save. And it was a common name in that time. And the Lord came to common people with a common name. I do believe that the reason for calling him Jesus is because the Bible says he shall save his people from their sins. And this is a book about the cradle to the cross. Jesus said this in Luke chapter 19. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And we see how God exalted that simple name in Philippians chapter number 2. 
Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. And he took upon him the form of a servant, and he was made in the likeness of man, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God hath highly exalted and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of who? Jesus, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things uh, in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That name, Jesus, was an indication of purpose when he was born. It was a declaration of accomplishment when he ascended on high. This is just a, this will take a minute or so, but I, I, I can't say it any better. There's a commentator who wrote about this. Savior is a special office. He saves the people from the guilt of sin. By washing them in his own atoning blood, he saves them from the dominion of sin by putting in their hearts the sanctifying spirit. He saves them from the presence of sin when he takes them out of this world to rest with him. He will save them from all the consequences of sin when he shall give them a glorious body at that last day. Blessed and holy are Christ's people from sorrow, cross, and conflict. They are not saved, but they are saved from sin forevermore. My friend, I'm thankful for Jesus. And I'm thankful that Joseph listened to the angel. This story is crazy. And by the way, it's probably weird to an unbelieving person. But I am so thankful that Joseph, in the tossing and turning, restless night, trying to sleep, he listened to the angel. Well, that brings us to implausibility number four. And that is that there's going to be a prophetic confirmation. A prophetic confirmation. We see in verse number 22 the testimony of the prophet. And sometimes this verse is mistaken to be part of the angelic message, uh, but the Holy Spirit prompted Matthew to add this commentary. Notice the phrase, all this. All this. God's preparing Jesus' lineage and his dealings with Joseph and Mary are all the circumstances surrounding the birth. And the Bible says this was done that the words of the prophet might be fulfilled. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. It has either been fulfilled or it is yet to be fulfilled. So in verse 23, we see the message of the prophet. This is a direct quotation of Isaiah 7 and verse 14. Now, why, this, why is this so significant? There are people who try to discredit the Bible. There are people who try to tell us that only parts of the Bible are true. That there are fables and there are things that are not true in the Bible. May I just tell you that you have the perfect, inerrant word of God in your lap. What do I mean by that? What I mean is this, is that Isaiah, written many, many years, hundreds of years before Matthew, they see eye to eye together in the same book. This is a fulfillment, a direct quotation. Isaiah's prophecy and a fulfillment for King Ahaz in his day, but had a greater fulfillment in the birth of Christ. Think of it as implausible as it may be, a virgin, a young girl who had never known a man carrying a child in her womb. Folks, that is a physical impossibility. Can we just say that? It's physically impossible for someone to get pregnant who has never known a man. 
without a surgery, without, two, uh, without the egg and the sperm. God chose the most unusual sign to mark his divine son's entrance into the world. Um, this is a critical truth when we must understand the significance of the virgin birth because Jesus had no human father. He had no sin nature. Because Jesus had no human father, he did not have a sin nature. I am so thankful for that truth today. And we'll get through later in the book of Matthew. We're going to find that the Bible says he was tempted in all points like a man, yet without sin. His name will be Emmanuel, which means God with us. In the Old Testament, God manifested his presence with his, his people in many ways. There was a cloud, there was a tabernacle, there was a temple, there was a pillar of fire. Now God would dwell among men and as flesh and blood. Think about this. 2,000 years ago, people could touch God through the God-man Jesus. They could see him with their own eyes. They could hear him with their own ears. Jesus, or Savior, was his name, but Emmanuel, God with us, is his title. And the, uh, the prophecy of the angel says, listen, we are fulfilling the prophecy that took place back when Isaiah wrote that there was coming a king to his people. Well, there's one final implausibility when I look at our passage of Scripture that we read today, and that is this. If you found out that your engaged wife-to-be was pregnant, and she said she had never known a man, you could kill her through a stoning, you could divorce her, or you could obey the angel. Most people are going to take option one, option two, and few people are ever going to take option number three because it sounds kind of outer space alien cuckoo. To think that God hasn't spoken for 400 years and suddenly this angel comes and says, Fear not! He said, Listen, that's the God child that Mary is carrying. And what I want you to do is I still want you to marry her and he's going to save his people from their sins. And Joseph says, Okay. So we see an obedient reaction here. That's implausible. There's few people that would ever do that. There's an obedient reaction. This story really is crazy. Joseph is truly a hero. He's an example. He's a person to, to respect. What did he do? In verse number 24, the Bible says that Joseph honored Mary. What? Joseph was raised from his sleep after his dream of the angel. I imagine him trying to find where Mary is out in the night to confirm what the angel had said. And the Bible says Joseph did as the angel had bidden him. He immediately took Mary to, as his wife. They had a quick wedding, perhaps the next day. Joseph did this at the risk of his reputation, and people would assume uh, that Joseph had fathered an illegitimate child. Here's the fact is that, that we see here in Scripture that in spite of all odds, Joseph honored Mary. But I also want you to notice this. And I don't want this to be lost in us this morning, and I'm almost finished. But Joseph honored God. Joseph honored God. Because the Bible says this, Joseph knew her not. That is, he had no sexual relation with her. 
Their marriage was not consummated until she had brought forth her firstborn son. He considered her and her womb holy. And, he, and we know that they had other children later because the Bible mentions that Jesus had other brothers and sisters. And Joseph, when this, this boy that was not his own, the Bible says he called his name Jesus. It was a final act of obedience on the part of Joseph. Joseph honored God. That angel that had spoken to him. May, may I just give you a quick postscript on, on Joseph? We know little, little else about Joseph. He took Jesus to the temple for dedication. He took Mary to Egypt to, re, uh, to protect uh, uh, Jesus from Herod. That's it. We know that uh, he went to Passover in Jerusalem when, when Jesus was 12. But we do not know when Joseph died. We, it probably happened before Jesus began his public ministry because he's never mentioned again. And Jesus, even from the cross, he never even acknowledged. Joseph, he, he, he gave the care of his mother, uh, Mary, into his half-brother, John. But I just want to tell you that Joseph was an honorable man. What a great example for us. So let me give you four foundational truths. What in the world do I take from this message? Let me quickly give you four foundational truths. If we cannot believe uh, Genesis chapter number 1, and if we cannot believe Matthew chapter 1, then everything else in Scripture is pointless. My friend, we must believe Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 1. In the beginning, God. That's where it starts. And in Matthew chapter number 1, we must believe that Mary had a perfect, perfect, sinless son in her womb, having never known a man. Well, let me share with you four foundational facts here that I see from this message, and that is this. Number one, when you have to make a difficult decision, it's best to take your time to seek God's will. Instead of acting irrationally, what could Joseph have legally done? He could have stoned her to death made a public example, and no, he would not have been faulted. He could have divorced her, and he was legally within his right to do so. But Joseph, in his difficult decision, thinking about it day in, day out, he sought, and God answered that request. Joseph acted wisely by not immediately having Mary stone. Here's number two. The virgin birth must be accepted by faith. You say, this is illogical. It makes no sense. And pastor, even though I've been coming visiting here, even though I'm a new Christian, what you have just preached this morning makes no sense. And you're exactly 100% right. It is not medically possible for what is shared with you this morning to take place. But just like Jesus lived a perfect life, just like Jesus' blood is sufficient to cover my sin, just like um, uh, there are many other miracles in the Bible we have to take by faith, I submit to you the virgin birth must be accepted by faith. It cannot be explained uh, other uh, than by Scripture, and we must take God at His word. And many today who consider themselves Christians claim the virgin birth is a fable. If this so, then Jesus was either a, was deceived or He was a deceiver. And we might as well close our Bibles. My friend, as a Christian, I believe it. I am willing to die for this truth. That Jesus was born of a virgin. Here's number three. Belief in the virgin birth is essential to salvation. You say, well, I'm struggling with this this morning. Let me just say that belief in the virgin birth is essential to salvation. You take away the divine birth and Jesus is just a mere man. 
His virgin birth, atoning death, His resurrection, His ascension, and His soon return. Uh, They stand or they fall together. My friend, it is essential that the virgin birth happen. And if you reject any of these great teachings about Jesus, then you have to reject all of them. You can't accept that He died on the cross for your sins if He wasn't born of a virgin. Finally, this morning, number four, what you decide about the birth of Jesus is one of the most important decisions in your life. What you decide about Jesus is one of the most important decisions in life. In Matthew chapter 22 and verse 42, Jesus, he asked the Pharisees. Now, let me just, before we put that verse up there, let me just say this. Pharisees are like many of us, religious people. People that think that we know it. We know it all. But Jesus asked the religious people, he asked them this question. What think ye of Christ? Whose son is he? My friend, he's the son of God. Have you ever thought about that question? By the way... The answer to that question would determine how you live this life, and it'll also determine how you live the next life.